I'll be very, like, we I'm in, sorry, I'm, I'm in shock. I was literally the second like. I went to step back to that. I can't believe yeah. I missed it. Yeah, well, we're not soft. We're not soft launching some takes. I've got some hard launches. That's terrible phrase. <laughs> hard launching. Uh, I, firstly, I just wanted to say, like, we, there's been a lot of talk about mainly in the car with me and Ross Bird uh, about 2010 versus 2006 has been the best musical year. And look, Allo Black, I need a dollar. I've been, I've rediscovered it. Lads. 2010, right? 2010. I've yeah. rediscovered it, lads. That song. I've been listening to it. At least once every day. Like in solidarity with Mick Lynch and the Rail Strikers, obviously, because he needs a dollar. <laughs> that's wow. that's the only pre-prepared joke of the episode. <laughs> the rest from here on in are off the dome. Um, let's get this underway. Um, right. Hello and welcome back to the Inner Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Werner. Joining me this week, like every week, is the Walcott Warbler, Mr. Pod Ross. Good evening. And also here, the Mosley Marauder, stacking shelves, banging twelves. It's Mr. David Harris. Hello. Excellent. So, we were all set to bring you uh, a startling starter topic about the places you've been with like Mike Breslin at the, the helm of it. Because Mike Breslin's been in Canada. And then a tragic turn of events happened. So, like, Dave's, Dave, you're already laughing. I don't think it's a laughing matter, personally. Mike is going down. He's, he's skiing yesterday. He's texting me. He's like, I'm going to be out for the podcast. It'll be fine. Literally, as he's texting me, he goes, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no, what's this? Um, don't know how he had time to type it out between what happened, but there you are. Um, he was going down the um, the hill, lads. And obviously, there's things underneath the snow. But what happened as he was going down the the hill he realized that he wasn't actually using skis he was skiing on snow adders <laughs> and they leapt up <laughs> took his eyes and now he's at the ver- he's at the mercy of justin trudeau's uh is he still the prime minister over there i think so i think yeah. so yeah that's crazy him and anton griezmann both doing blackface and having careers it's crazy <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, Mike's not here, which has ruined you the, the topic of the, the best places we've ever been and the wor- more importantly, the worst places we've ever been. Because I wanted to put up, um, I wanted to talk to you. So we've got a different uh, topic to talk about. Um, <sighs> Jake Humphreys, lads. Firstly, we've all re- have we all read this wild Wild LinkedIn post he's done. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's all about his world-class basics. Ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to go and read it yourself, because otherwise this is going to make very little sense to you. It opens with a typo, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> and then it's, it's the very first paragraph. It's, good morning from, sorry, El good morning from my sofa. It's 5.12am. The family are asleep. I'm not. I never have it. time. <laughs> Is he shaving his family for not getting up at five o'clock? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. What is this crap? But right, so he's he's whole talking about essentially is that he has a he makes a list in the morning, he has a vitamin with a water, and he gets up at five a.m. and um, these are his world class basics. So what I want to ask the two of you are: what are your world class basics? How has he decided their world class basics? Have they proven themselves over other basics to be world class? <laughs> I don't know, but these are his world-class basics. Dave, what are your world-class basics? Good sleep. Stay hydrated. Okay. 
get some exercise, go for a walk. That's mine. And they're not world-class because I'm definitely not a world-class human being. What I like is you, I like, uh, you're like kind of slightly the opposite. He's getting up at five and you're getting like good night's sleep. Do you know what time Jake Humphrey goes to bed? Probably like 8 p.m. Half nine. He goes to bed at half nine. Now, almost every night there's football going on. How is he keeping up with the football? That's what I want to know. Well, Norwich don't have evening games very often. So He's the presenter for BT's coverage. Sadly. Presenter's yeah. a strong word. Mm. Mm. Second favourite line. Every single decision you take is a vote for the person you want to be. Anyway. So, <laughs> it's, just... it's phenomenal. However... What I want to do is I want together, I want to come up with the five worst people in the UK, um, or five worst people slash groups, but not in a we're not grouping people together like with Nigel Farage. There you are. So I'm putting in. I, I'm not. This is in no particular order, but I want you. To, I want you guys to shout out. I've got a couple I want to go through first, and then I want you guys to you guys to have your have your say. I'm thinking Jake Humphrey has to be on the list. I'm on board with that. He's pretty insufferable, isn't he? And then number two, and I'm going to have to share my screen for this, so this podcast is getting technical. Again, I'll shout out the at on TikTok for you people to follow along with at home. (laughs) There is is a TikTok group. Right. How do I do this? Oh, no. Oh, pissing out. I can't share my screen. Anyway, right. Has everyone got TikTok? Yes. I need you to go to at the family. And they're spelling this oh, F-A-M-I-L-E-I-G-H. No. Oh, I don't need to type them out. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't find TikTok. They have adverts as well, don't they, sometimes? Oh, my Christ. That's... I, I, need you to, I need you to scroll until you see the one that's, the one that's called When You Leave Your Dad Alone. Right, I'm not sure I've seen this one, so I'll still do it. I, I, I need people to go watch it and I want a live reaction from the two of you. The family. Oh, God. When you leave your dad alone on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where he's DJing. Oh, God, I think I've seen it, actually. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> my question is, who of these three is most likely to be a sex offender? <laughs> That's my question. I don't know. It's a tough one to differentiate. But I'm, I've, I've discovered these. I accidentally saw... Look, I'm at level with you, boys. Ross looks thoroughly concerned. I, I, I saw one of these TikToks, and now it's in my algorithm. So I, I come along and see them every now and then. And I just think they have to be on the list. So that's the family on the list. Yeah, that's a fair, a fair um, one. Having watched that, I agree. You agree, strong agree. And then my third nominee, Prince Andrew. Yeah, that's fine. I just think I just think he, I just think he has to be on. I mean, the only thing that's commendable about Prince Andrew is apparently he doesn't sweat. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, of the, of the various superpowers you could give me, that like, because this is the thing, everyone's always like, oh, oh, I'd love to have like super hearing, like um. Um, 
Superman, but then they'd hear like the old people down the road rutting or something, and then all of a sudden they wouldn't want it anymore. No one ever thinks about the negatives of the superpowers, whereas not sweating. That's a superpower I'm on board with. Imagine like coming off a football pitch and then instantly just being like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I don't need to shower. It's immaculate. That would actually be good. I would like that a lot, to be fair. Mm. Anyway, we're we unanimous on Prince Andrew, too. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's anyone defending that. I hope you weren't expecting a defence. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what I was walking into. Sorry, Prince Charles like... wasn't, sorry, not Prince. King Charles wasn't available for comment, so no defence. So, we've got Jake Humphrey, the family, and Prince Andrew. Which means... Four and five. This is just, this oh, is no, just, just in UK, general. Anyone in the UK. Oh, now, got... oh, Ross has got one, Ross. Go on, Ross. Piers Morgan. Oh, oh it's yeah. wrong. I mean, why Piers Morgan? Big Arsenal fan? Yeah, but the worst kind. The worst kind of fan. Just, he's behind the team when things are going, going well. And he'll say he's always been behind the team. Forgetting whatever... Whenever they've been like when Arteta was struggling or whatever, he was definitely calling for him to be sacked. He was, and he absolutely loves him now. I know it was the case for a lot of Arsenal fans, but he's just one of those awful fans that won't support the team when things aren't going well. And then there's the fact that he's a massive Ronaldo fan and the Ronaldo interview and stuff, which was absolutely awful. So, yeah. Right, Dave, Dave you're a fan, aren't you, Piers Morgan? <laughs> No. <laughs> Dave once said to me, you know what I respect about Piers Morgan? The hacking. Oh, God. <laughs> Dave's kind of modelled his on-pitch style after Piers Morgan. Lots of hacking. Yeah, not on the that pitch. That's true. As well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got one to nominate. Now, I hope you know who this person is. Because oh. if not, it should be pretty awkward. Fogden. Oh! Thogden and his dad are in. Yeah. They're in they Ross. Are. Do you know Thogden? Yes, I do. Yeah. I'm on board with that. He did this whole monologue not too long ago about not taking tickets off like fans. Then, as part of a sponsorship deal, he went to every single game at the World Cup. That meant some of them he was there for about 20 minutes. So he's taken a seat for a game he can't even be at. He was at a Wrexham game the other week. When it was a sellout, so he took someone else's ticket. Guy goes all over the place, and he's supposed to be a Bolton fan. I mean, the only thing he did well was proving that guy wrong about Haaland at the pre-season. But he's just an insufferable bloke. Dave said all all that. Like Thogden's the same bloke who told his own dad, suck your mum. Like, he's on the list for that alone. (laughs) I'm extending this to 10, okay? And at number six, and I hope you I hope you all agree with this. Number six, it's um, I'm putting down the guy who taught Eddie Howe how to research. Like, <laughs> how has it taken him this long? Like, uh, seriously, he's down. Um, Ross, who are you nominate for number seven of the worst people in the UK? Oh Christ! Yeah, I can't get political, so that's some people out. Um. <laughs> Can't think of anyone else at the top of my head. Piers Morgan was the one who came. Uh, it's number one, number one for you off the dome. I mean, yeah. if she's if she's still around, Katie Hopkins. 
Oh. Yeah, she's got to be in, hasn't she? Good, she good is show. just a horrible person. Yeah. Having muted her and everything, thank you. Yeah, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. What a... Uh... So she, she just wanted... also got famously photographed shagging a man in a field, which is just hilarious. And also went on this morning saying... She judges kids by their names about if they go to, you know, if a kid was like, oh, this kid wants to come round for dinner, she would judge the kid on their name, saying how naming kids after, like, brands and places are stupid, to which Holly Willoughby said, isn't your daughter called India? Which was true. Um, that, yeah. yeah, it's like, come on. <laughs> Dave, just a quick question, because there was a weird inference there when you said shagging a man. Would it have been better if it was a woman? No, just <laughs> just in case people weren't sure. Okay. What a man. And she was married to someone else at the time. Did you know Jake Humphrey didn't get good A-levels? No, never knew. Never knew. Okay. How much Team GB stuff do you reckon he owns? Humphrey? Yeah. Loads. Yeah, yeah. surely. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do, by the way. I know we we talked about groups earlier, by the way. Um, I am going to group a selection together. <laughs> Are you ready for this? At number eight of the worst people in Britain, I'm going to put anyone who uses the phrase the spirit of London 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Who's still using that 11 years down the line? Who? Uh, look, I can't say that, but <laughs> I'm telling you, whoever it is, they're number eight on the list. They're on the list. Number nine. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got some grievances. Now, I was thinking about putting Sam Smith on here. However, over the weekend, I was listening to Writing on the Wall, the James Bond thing, and that is a hit. So he stays off the list for now. Um, anyone got anyone else who want to leap it out to anyone? Mm. 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 Bruno Fernandes <laughs> He's in the UK oh, Does he count No, no he's, we're not, for British, he's can't be we? top 10 He can't be top 10 Not, not to go full for Rife But you know British Have any of you seen that deluded Newcastle fan Do the rounds on TikTok Who says that Nick Pope's having the best season Okay. Is that, I... that Adam Pearson bloke? No, no, no. If only I'm running into this guy, we can't put him down. I mean, eight feels like a, a cursed number to end this list on. Um, Are we going on to TikTok one or not? Because there's someone pressing. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. No, it's fine. That TikTok one could be number 10. I've got another group for number nine, Dave, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Anybody who attends Crufts. <laughs> Can we yeah, make fine. Can we go slash out and John farewell? Guys? Slash out and John. <laughs> Dave number ten. Uh if you're familiar with this man's work on TikTok. Uh, well, yeah, I was happy to put him or Paddy Murphy, no, or we can group them together as just being no. Liverpool fan idiots. I think <laughs> look, if we're gonna Oh stop... scrap it, sorry, number ten, Mark Goldbridge. No. No, I no, actually don't I'm mind old Bridge. I, I, don't bridge mind. I don't even mind him anymore. Just, He's funny. Just felt like it. Okay. So just to recap for everyone, the top ten worst people slash groups in the UK. Number one, Jake Humphrey. 
Um, number two, The Family. Number three, Prince Andrew. Number four, Piers Morgan. Number five, Thogden and his dad. Number six, the guy who taught Eddie Howe how to research. Number seven, Katie Hopkins. Um, number eight, anyone who still uses the phrase the spirit of London 2012. Uh, <laughs> number nine, anybody who's attended Crufts or the Elton John concert at the NEC last night. Um, or and number 10 is Paddy Murphy slash Irish Liverpool fans. Dave, is that what you want to go for? Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say all Irish Liverpool fans. Okay, just Liverpool fans from the state of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we are. Good stuff. Um, so I'm glad we got that out of the way. I feel like we've had an airing of grievances, which is particularly useful for this um, type of the podcast. Dave, have you got a start of the week? I do actually have a start of the week for you, yes. Okay, um, Mike's not here, so um, we're going to have to just go. Uh, it's Dave's start of the week, brought to you by Cafe Rouge. Not brought to you by Cafe Rouge. Take it away, Dave. Cheers, Will. Uh, Antonio Conte is actually the second most successful Tottenham Premier League manager of all time, with an average points of 1.88. Pochettino, who they still worship to death and want back, got 1.89 points a game. So, yeah. That is really interesting, to be fair. Because <sighs> you'd have probably said that Pochettino's first team were... In fairness to Poch, there's a lot, a lot more time that he was in charge. True. So it's probably hold it harder to hold on to a higher points average, but still, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. And that zero point two four a game better than Mourinho, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably believe that because the, the a lot generally speaking, the results haven't been awful. It's the performances themselves that have been awful. So the points yeah. are going to be uh, made them look better than they were, really. I think. I think he'd still be there if he hadn't said what he said. But he didn't want to be there, did he? No, no. He's That's why to... he said all that stuff. He was. Yeah. Deaf. He's been trying to. Because I didn't realize his family never never moved to the UK. They all stayed in Italy. Yeah. So. Shall I read you the? Shall I read you the the statement for Spurs? Because it's phenomenal, by the way. Three paragraphs long. Number one. The first paragraph. We can announce that head coach Antonio Conte has left the club by mutual agreement. We achieved Champions League qualification in Antonio's first season at the club. <laughs> we thank Antonio for his contribution and wish him well for the future. And that is the extent of the discussion about Antonio Conte. But I do love how Spurs are so timpot that they have to whack in that they achieved Champions League qualification. Well done, lads. Um, secondly, you remember how Ryan Mason was head coach last time? Well, he's yeah. assistant head to- head coach now, and Christian Stellini is going to be acting head coach for the remainder of the season. Oh dear! Damning praise for Ryan Mason. There, I mean, you know. Hey, I mean, it's going to get much. Didn't he cup He did, yeah. Mm. That one that after they set Marino, wasn't it? He did. Yeah, famously very well. Daniel Levy comments, we have 10 Premier League games remaining and we have a fight on our hands for a Champions League place. We all need to pull together. Everyone has to step up to ensure the highest possible finish for our club and amazing loyal supporters. Now, I've got no time for Tottenham Hotspur. But, and trust me, I am well versed in managers needing to go and trying to get out the door. 
the Conte situation was just a perfect example of how Tottenham Hotspur are just a laughing stock of a club and just an absolute yeah. disgrace. Uh, before I go off, Dave, do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about the whole situation? Because I, I, I cannot believe that he said what he said and we are here on Monday and he's only just been sacked. Uh, it's ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, it's disrespectful to all the players. It's just the club as a whole. I mean, wow. I mean, how did they let him go this long? Maybe maybe he had a really complicated contract and they needed to get lawyers to go for every bit of it to make sure they could fire him or, or whatever. I don't know. But, I mean, we had Scott Parker fired instantly for saying his team weren't good enough in a 9-0, but given that they didn't invest much, that, that could happen. Conte's coming out saying basically the history of Tottenham, they don't win anything, which is just hilarious, by the way. They don't win anything. They're bottle jobs. All the players basically half-arse it. Only a couple of them are decent, but most of them are crap. Don't try. He's just taking put, like shots at the left, right and centre. I'm amazed that he wasn't... Basically, as soon as he came out of that press conference, they were like, yeah, here's your P45, mate. I mean, and now they've left themselves in a situation where this other coach, I know he's been there for a while and he has taken charge of some games. He's got, what, like five or six days? And in that time, some of the players will be coming back from international duty. They're, they're, mon- they're the Monday kickoff. So in theory, from today, he's got seven days. Oh, but okay. we all know that, Then, you like you say, Dave, then... It's not like he's got... A, I think most of them are away. So, not like he's got a lot of time to work with them. No. But, uh, it's just it's just so spursy. I feel like they are, like you say, the laughing stock of football. They just... Uh, I mean, it's got to be the owner, isn't it? I mean, I ju- how many managers have come in with really good stature and it's just it just never they can't seem to progress and obviously he's the common don- denominator isn't it this this is where i'm at with spurs and particularly with this decision like uh, if you're if you would i can understand taking the time to sack him and have the succession plan in play if they'd got someone ready to go in like now i understand that i understand taking your time but if you're sacking him solely based on what he said and the fact he's disrespected the football club then you do it straight away you just do it because, and the reason you do it is because you're like, at some point you've got to be like, no, we're a serious footballing institution and you've got to respect us and you've got to respect the owners and you haven't to so get to fuck, essentially. And instead they was, they've seemed to like dilly dally, dilly dally and they're like Conte sort of clarifying that he didn't, he's like, I didn't mean the owner. And I'm like, the fact that this is even playing out in the press and everyone's going, well, you know what? Conte is not wrong. Fucking hell! Like that. What a damning indictment of your football club. I just, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have seen a way they could have handled it were handled it worse. I mean, what do you make of it, Bird? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like they've got absolutely no. You go to a club like Brighton, where it all came together quite quickly that he was going to end up at Chelsea, but they already had someone, a plan already for a situation they didn't even know was going to happen then and this has been brewing with Conte for a long long time and he hasn't even been he's supposed to have been training the players that are there this week and he's been in Italy the whole week and they still haven't sacked him 
And he clearly wasn't going to come back and trade the players. So how on earth they let it go on this long, as you say? I'd, yeah, a damning indictment. I mean, what, what were they expecting was going to happen? He wasn't going to come back and coach. It's just like they were just scared to just just make the decision. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it really. But it, but there's a second part there, like you say. It's like how like everyone and everyone like Fabrizio Romano. I mean, the guy has never touched something unless it's a sure thing, and he's tweeting like every other week, going, "Oh, situation with Conte hasn't changed. They'll be parting in the summer." If he's parting in the summer. What are we doing here? Like, like, have you not got someone in mind? How, look, if if like everyone says, Luis Enrique, like the reporting is that Luis Enrique is going to go there, but he doesn't want to go mid-season and he wants to do it at the start of the next season. So just fucking say it. You know what I mean? Just say it now. Just be like, oh, we've got Luis Enrique is coming in the summer. For the rest of the season, it's going to be this guy. Because you know who did that? Chelsea, with Antonio Conte, back when they'd sat Mourinho. They said, yeah, in February, they were like, yeah, Antonio's coming in the summer, but it'll be good sitting the rest of the season. Have a plan. Have yeah. you not got a plan? Good. Well, uh, Conte was managing then, wasn't he? Who? Was he, was he managing a club before you had him? Was he at you? Yeah, he was at Italy. Oh, was it Italy? Yeah, Italy. Enrique doesn't even have a job, does he? Or is he Isn't still in he Spain? Spain, but oh, he everyone Spain? knows he's gone. He's he's yeah. on his way out. But, and but just a plan. I mean, let's not forget the direct. What I don't understand is second thing about Spurs. Patrici is Paratici. 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 He's under investigation. Pa- yeah, exactly, Paratici Strider. Um, but so this guy. He might get banned from worldwide football. Yet yeah, he's leading your new coach search. Burn it to the ground. Like what? A, what how unserious yeah. a football club can you be, uh, I, Dave? I've got to come to you because you're an expert. Where you you're, you're a fan of a, a team that's an expert at having corrupt people in charge. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe that Spurs are doing this. I, I don't understand it. What? Talk to me, please. Make some sense. Yeah, I mean. I mean, what if, for example, he helps them get someone lined up and whilst it's like the pending period before the person joins, he gets found guilty and banned. I mean, technically, then you've got a deal that's been orchestrated by someone that's now banned from football. Would that, I, I don't know how that would even impact it. But yeah, like you say, why would you even let him have a any sort of decision-making. Like, it discredits you as a club still being associated with someone that is potentially on the verge of a ban anyway. I... How, how are you planning with your director of football for the summer for a new head coach? And, like, new players are going to have to come in with without knowing if he's going to be able to be there. How are you going to hire someone and then be like, well, you might be working with me, you might not be working with me? I mean, one one thing I thought about this as well, like surely, well, you never know with Kane and, and whatever really, but surely the way this club has been the last year or so, surely if you're a player like Kane or Son and someone comes into you in for you, you're going to force it through because it's not like Tottenham's you're not gonna like force a stable it, place to be. 
I'm, look, I, I've been t- I told you I was brewing a take earlier. I've been brewing a lot of takes. And I do want to talk about Harry Kane in regards to England. I'm brewing a take there as well. But Harry Kane, Hyung Min Son, anyone who's played for Spurs and starred for Spurs for the last couple of years, since the Pochettino e- e- um, era ended, if they were serious about being winners and were serious about being a winning football club, they would have tried to leave Spurs and they would have tried to leave Spurs in a better way than announcing it on the overlap with Gary Neville. The two of them, phenomenal players. Don't get me wrong, Hyung Min Son, in terms, there's very few players who are better in the counter-attack and there's very few better quality in terms of technical ability strikers than Harry Kane. They are fucking losers. And the problem with... And every, <laughs> Everyone can talk to you about tactics of football, and I'll talk to you about tactics of football until I'm blue in the face. But at the end of the day, if you're a fucking loser, you're a fucking loser. And and Tottenham Hotspur is a club full of losers. And if Harry Kane was serious about winning, he would not be playing for Tottenham. And I know that's difficult to hear, but it's a, it's the same all over the place. It's like those Arsenal teams that Wenger had that used to play nice football and then go and get tonked in the serious games were a team full of fucking losers. Jorginho playing for Chelsea, Kovacic playing for Chelsea, great players, they can win you a cup, they're fucking losers at the end of the day. Like, they just are. They don't have that extra bit. They don't have that, they don't have that killer instinct that you need to have to be those, to be these titles. And that's not saying that they're not phenomenal players and they're not phenomenally gifted players in the right tactical setup look amazing, but they just don't have the strength of character. Like you compare them to like you compare them to like you look at someone who just exudes mental strength on the pitch, like Zinchenko, for example. Tottenham are just a bottle jobs all over the pitch. And I honestly I think I think you kinda have to say the same a bit away about Harry Kane and Zon because you're like these bad things keep happening with them there. So it's not like they're exempt from it. It's just uh, they just suck. They're just losers. Yeah, I I, I... I kind of agree with what you're saying. Although Kane sort of stuffed himself by signing a stupid contract that he then sort of couldn't get out of. Well, why has he signed it? Because but he's a Son, Son has carried on just signing new deals through all this. I think it looks worse on on Son, really, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess who cares if he's going to score the most Premier League goals if he's never won it? Yeah, agreed. Who cares? Honestly, like, Harry Kane is can break all the records he wants. Are you going to sit here and tell me he's better than <laughs> that list of players again? Um, I just... The worst thing about this whole situation is they had to sack him because he couldn't say that, but nothing Antonio Conte said was wrong. No. I don't I mean, think it was the most ardent Spurs fans will turn around and say, well, we spent quite a bit of money under him. It's still, he still said the truth. Like the club is not, the club is not built for success. And the fact that they want Pochettino back is ridiculous to me. It's like Ross and Rachel. You keep going back. It's never going to have that same magic as the first time. Well, they end, they end up sort of, well, you were shooting well, them together nah, at the end. Nah. No, they don't end up. He's in a he's in a mental home within like three years. She's gas. He's gaslighting her to hell, mate. I'm telling you, it's tough seeing some friends. Um, is Daniel Levy the copy girl? 
He's some really dated references now. Um, should we do the obligatory who do we think is going to manage Spurs as if it means two fucking shits? Like, do you think they'll get Nagelsmann? No. If I were him, I would not go there. If you were Luis Enrique, would you go there? No. No, no. no. I only have one suggestion. Poch goes back. It's it's clear. He's... That's honestly the idea that I like the best as well. Yeah, and he didn't do massively well at PSG, so it's not like Poch. Has yeah, it's, I'm not going to judge anyone. He by, doesn't by have he PSG doesn't PSG. have the stock he even had at his own peak. Him going back to Spurs potentially makes sense because if he can be good there again, it it gets his stock back up. But I, you know, if you're a massive team right now. Tottenham aren't not just to clarify. Are you going to take a risk on Poch? I don't think you would. I really if you're po- you if you're Pochettino and you left Spurs because they were an aging squad where they wouldn't put any investment in, and you return to the same star players a few years older with minimal improvements across the board. Firstly, what does that say about you and your ambitions? But more importantly, maybe Poch is a loser. Well, no, he he is. <laughs> If he goes back to if he goes back to Spurs, knowing full well that Levy's inability and disinterest in winning a league title remains exactly the same, he is a loser. I mean, it's not mince words. The problems with Spurs are are at boardroom level. It's very much like Man United, where Man United over the last couple of years have been a graveyard for talented players and talented. Um, managers because the the business people at the top of the club haven't a fucking clue on how to run and operate a successful sporting institution let they're they're just interested in the business and it's exactly the same at Spurs and it's brought wonderful things for Spurs hasn't it they've got a new stadium that looks soulless which is great but I mean they've got all this other great stuff and they've taken another level yeah that's fine but at the same time they've had their best team the best team they've ever had in the Premier League era and they fucked it uh, he's a loser yeah, but, as much as I enjoyed it they really should have beat Leicester to that league that's what they should have won Tottenham because all the all the big teams didn't really turn up they were the only team that was seeming to keep yeah. pace and they still I, finished third yeah but they managed to even finish behind Arsenal but I don't I think it's a bit harsh to say that anyone else should have won that Oh, Leicester were no, brilliant, but what what I mean is, like, it's in terms not. of the points tallies, uh, it was they had a chance. Look, Leicester were very good. Um, both Arsenal and Tottenham should look at that league title as a massive missed opportunity. Uh, I do look at it as a missed opportunity, but only because we finished second in the end. We weren't. We weren't. I didn't feel like we no, were but, good that season. Well, yeah, but in terms of. In term on paper, you were the only problem. The only problem with Arsenal that season was, as much as I like Olivier Giroud, Olivier Giroud and Özil were not. Özil needed runners, and needed a runner up front, and Giroud needed a runner at number ten, and so they were both sort of like stood there, like sticking the mug, going, "No, go on, you do it this time. You do it this time." But they did play some great football. They did play some great football. But like when you look at Spurs, Spurs were probably the best team over those 18 months as a whole. Deli Ali back then. Mm-hmm. Wow, they, what to not player win, he was. To not win a league title, it, to, to not win a league title in that first season and then not invest 
in the second season, it's crazy to me. Absolutely crazy to me. I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being in that situation and thinking to myself, thinking, so, yeah, you know what? We're not going to invest. We're going to keep growing the business. We're going to keep doing that. Do you know what grew Man United to be and what they are? Winning fucking what? league titles. Do you know what grew Chelsea to be and what they are? Winning trophies. Like, that is all Abramovich's brand guidelines were. Win a fucking trophy. So how you can tell me that it's better business by not investing and winning a trophy? Like the Chicago Bulls have won six titles in the entirety of their history and people still fucking talk about them. And that's the only reason they're a worldwide brand. Tottenham win a trophy. You know what I mean? Just, just a Carabao Cup. <sighs> Losers. Losers. Number 11, Daniel Levy. Alan Sugar could have gone on that list, by the way. Oh, he's on. 12. Yeah, this is going to be a really long list, by the way. <laughs> We're 12? Oh, I can't even find it now. I'd, Daniel Levy says the spirit of London 2012. Doesn't he? Probably, yeah. Probably, mate. I do want to quickly talk about Harry Kane, because here's my question to the two of you. So, like, Harry Kane became England's top scorer at the weekend. 18 of his 54 goals are penalties. So, are you all on board with me and saying that we're not counting them? Yeah. I mean, how many pens did Rooney get? I mean, that's... I, I, less. It's it's quite a lot less. But... Oh, he got seven, yeah. I think. A lot, a lot of his goals have come in competitive internationals rather than friendlies. But, I mean, Ro- what were you going to say about Rooney... Because Rooney, oh, not also, Rooney either. he wasn't, he didn't score in tournaments, did he either? No, but he did score yeah, World Cup at club level. You, you sure? But we're talking about England, so. Yeah, Danny Welbeck scored goals for England. Yeah, Danny Welbeck's a better player than <laughs> Harry Kane. Like, I, in a final, I'd rather have Danny Welbeck. Scored in a win against Leicester in that that season, they won the title. Great game that was, to be fair. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because 18 of his 54 England goals, penalties. Would you, do you actually think they should not count penalties? As, as... No, no, no. They should count as half. I'm joking, obviously. You have to put them away. Oh, but, so, uh, so we're saying Lineker's is England's best, uh, best yeah. goal scorer. Got a big tournament goals for England. Lineker better than Harry Kane. Like, there's a new... I don't know what Messi and Ronaldo did to the world, but... Everyone's everyone's now like, oh, you've got to have these incredible stats to have been like the better player. Like, I'm going to be one of those people that like, sat at the porch drinking a Stella, going, going, like people are trying to tell me they're like, oh no, 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 Brian Giggs is really good, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be like, yes, he was really good. Why is he really? But why was he really good? Oh, he's got the most appearances in the Premier League. Game. I'm like, who gives a flying fuck? Can we get him on that list? Yeah, Ryan Giggs, number number thirteen. <laughs> The 13 right gigs. Dave, I just want to... We, we are going to start a new... Because this podcast has been relentless negativity for 40 minutes. Mainly, mainly pushed by me. But um, I, I've got nothing else to say, really, football-related in a nice way. So I want to come to you and ask you the first question of our recurring um, topic of what thing from football did you enjoy the most this week? But I want to extend it to beyond this week. Talk to me about uh... a player you loved. In general, or yeah, in, general, in general, in general, 
I mean, Ozil at Arsenal was special. Oh, we got to talk about retirement. Right, well, so, right, I'd be yeah, we could do. shooting down. No, no, let's Ozil talk about retirement. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah we could I was do. a huge fan of his. Great player. Loved him at Madrid. He had a great season for Arsenal. That goal I, I, know, so... I know a lot of people don't like him. I like him. And you're a hater, so I get it from you, I guess. Ross, no. who was the goal against that he no. shipped it over the keeper? Yeah, it was, against, it, it was against Ludogorets. Ludogorets. Ozil, Ozil was Ozil was good until like oh, until overnight he wasn't good, and I just remember what I think. No, few players have become so like tactic. Like he never stopped being a good player. His position just changed so drastically overnight. Like, and I remember to, what, to be fair, Arsenal just stopped playing him. Yeah, because he wasn't good. But he was better than the people we were playing instead. Yeah, of... well, it depends though because because he was just not in the squads and we were playing some clouds out uh, there. Because because I watched I watched him play against Liverpool and Liverpool's pressing all over the pitch just ruined him and he was shell shocked and I was like, and and you watch how football's played it now and the pressing that occurs everywhere. Ozil just couldn't keep up with that. I mean, he just didn't have he he didn't he just was he was a very specific he was absolutely fucking elite at what he did like. In in a counter in a counter attack situation, I don't think there's been few people as good as Özil in terms of playing. The well, you go watch him play. You go watch that Madrid team playing. That how good he was. He was as good as Ronaldo and Benzema were for that team. So, but he was just very quickly obsolete. Which is a shame that we talk. I always bring that up. But a reason I feel the need to bring it up is Özil's a little bit like um. There's there are a couple of players where. Their peaks are so high that everyone's always like, oh, no, they were one of the best. And I'm like, they weren't one of the best. Like, we're going to talk about... Because people after we retire, people are going, well, comparing, comparing him to De Bruyne, and I'm like, hold on. Hold on here. No, no, well, he, he, I, he obviously did not have the consistency. And even at his peak, he was not as good as De Bruyne. Has been. Because, I mean... I think we've spoken about it before. De Bruyne is probably the best midfielder that's yeah. in the Premier League. And yeah. De Bruyne much more of a goal scorer as well than, than Ozil has been. And just two strong feet. Um, whereas Ozil feels feet, like yeah, foot sure. was but, uh, basically a club foot. I, quite, re- I feel a little bit, and it, Ozil's a better player than this. Ozil's, Re- Ozil's Real Madrid stint will firmly mean he's always going to be a better player than this guy. And I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about his peak, but I compare him a little bit to Matter at Chelsea in that as soon as Chelsea became a cohesive tactical team that could win a league title under Mourinho, there was no space for Matter because Matter, despite being an unbelievable creative talent, he can he can do the tactical diligence that other players could do. So that's why when you're talking about like the absolute all-timers like Kaker and things like that in the number 10 position and Ronaldinho and things like that. They could do a bit more of that than Ozil ever could, which is what interesting. But Dave, you say you've got a big take about this. Well, you've sort of covered it off, but Ozil for me is the best of a couple of players like James Rodriguez, Coutinho, where basically the start of their careers, they were unbelievable at what they did, but football's like outgrown their role, which you've sort of come on to. Used to get away with like a luxury ten. He was just someone technically brilliant, 
could maybe go past a few people putting some great passes. But now football's advanced so much. Like Coutinho, I mean, I know you're not particularly high on him, but at Liverpool, he was pretty decent. Over the last few years, he's basically become totally obsolete. Whereas, other than a few good touches and passes at Villa, he's the, he's the same player now that he was then. <laughs> yeah, but football's You like, I was like, Taser, I know you don't like him. And I'm like, which one of us is he talking to? Because <laughs> me and Ross are like the two worst people to do this podcast right, with. Because I hated Coutinho at the time. I was like, this guy's just not what people think he is. Fine, but look at Hamas. Uh, you know, he's basically done by like thirty, wasn't he? But for yeah, a while, there was a Hamas. There was a, how many a good Hamas years could, were there actually? No, but it wasn't. But there was many, a time was you could get. Away it was a good summer. Yeah, I mean, literally. And you can't you can't get away with that anymore. That's more. Ozil was the best of that bunch of players that tried to do that, but that's why. I mean, Ozil was what basically done at like thirty-one. I think Ozil's mistake. Do that anymore. I think Ozil, Ozil's mistake was coming to the Premier League because, and, and it's not to say he didn't have a great. He, there was a time where he was really. I don't want to. When he first joined Arsenal, he was electric, I and mean, he was really good right up until. Um, I would say that season where they they didn't win the league, as we talked about earlier, was the last great Ozil season. That really was a great Ozil season because the because the game shifted almost immediately. It felt really quick. Um, but I just think to myself, and it's a bit the same with Hammers. Like the thing with the Premier League, you get so little time on the ball that you watch these players like Pogba who thrive in international football when there's lots of time on the ball, for example. And they they look great elsewhere. So I think to myself, if Özil had gone, I don't know, back to the Bundesliga after Real Madrid, or if he'd gone to Italy, for example, does he have a much longer career? Like, do these play? Does Hammers have a much longer career? I would argue how good Ham Ham is. Not that how good he was. Like obviously I'm enjoying that you're you're taking up the hating role for the second portion of this podcast. Well obviously he was great. Was it the twenty ten World Cup? Fourteen. Sorry, you're right, yeah. Twenty fourteen. Gotcha. Obviously he was great then. But look, I would I'm never signing a player after a good tournament. Like we signed our Shavid, like and he was great for like six months and then he was awful uh, there's been, there was so much more good stuff from Ozil than there was for Hamas Rodriguez and the same with Coutinho I wouldn't compare it to either of those no I, I was saying but likewise that, people, people more when Ozil was doing his thing people were more comparing him to like David Silva and people like that and obviously he's not as there was a lot less good stuff from Ozil than there was from David Silva you'd probably, probably say a lot is consistent over a shorter period of time um, I I think what people people don't like about him was this, like you look at his body language and stuff, which often wasn't good, and there was this idea that he really that he didn't work and he didn't run, but the stats, if you look at the stats, that they didn't actually show that. Two, I think it's two really good points there. I I think there's um I've seen it in like in a bit in like when you have this idea that someone can be, they have, Lerzl's style is quite languid. Um, you just walk around. It felt like he was walking around because of his posture and things like that. There's plenty of players in the Premier League like that. I mean, Havertz is one. Havertz looks like that, but Havertz is also, if you look at the numbers, one of the most, one of the most 
proficient pressers in the league and you do feel his impact on games. Pogba was another one where Pogba always, whenever you watch Pogba for United, you always felt like Pogba's not fucking moving. Pogba's moving a lot. A lot Pogba's moving. I think the difference with Ozil was that, yes, he moved a lot and he and he was he was elite at finding space. When you talk about his role as like a tactical person, like in terms of in terms of pressing, but also in terms of getting away from a, a guy who was following you around, man marking, which is what some people used to do to sit someone on him. He was never that, and he was never good at that. And you could never you could never turn to Urzel and say, right, you're playing right, you're playing on the right today. You have to follow the operette opposition fullback and his fullbacks have become a bigger part of the game that was where the, all the problem lay with him I mean and that's because he came up in a time where you didn't suit you didn't really have to do that all the time it wasn't as important I mean when he played for Madrid it was kind of like Jose Mourinho's team were like well we're going to defend with this block and then we're going to attack with this block and you're part of this block so it's fine and that was fine he was, he was amazing for them and it, and that was the tactical system but as the game as the game evolved to become a more cohesive thing, he just got left behind. But I do think it was legitimate criticism when they talked about him moving. Because you and I both know the numbers say that Jorginho moves more than anyone else. But you you, you, you know the limitations there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I... Yeah, I do agree with what you said. Um Going to something you said earlier about if he went to Italy, say, or whatever, and would it look better for him? Um, I think it looks better for him if he was like in an Arsenal team with better with better players. Like, if Arsenal, like you, you mentioned Giroud, and I love Giroud, like more than probably anyone out there. I'm his, I'm his biggest <laughs> fan. But Savers was playing behind like Aguero. Because Ozil's chance creation was always like elite. Did we? How many like elite? I mean, he we played. He played with Alexis, who was great back then, uh, but not really a central sort of player. How many like elite forward players did he play with at Arsenal? I would say not not that many. And when assist creation is his thing, like his numbers, maybe you could have looked like David Silver or someone like that, or more like that if he played with just sort of stronger forward players, because there's also something to be said for, I know you probably find it funny that, well, the, Arsenal winning the FA Cup was a big thing for me because we went solid with that winning stuff. And then we won the FA Cup a few times in a few seasons. That came when Ozil started, when he joined. We hadn't won anything. He was a player who'd won stuff. He came in and we we did start winning stuff. Granted, yeah, the FA Cup, whatever. So stuff did change when he joined. But. Don't get don't get me wrong. I if I was Arsenal, I would do the Özil transfer over and over and over again, and I'd have no qualms about doing it. I mean, we talked just talking about Spurs winning a trophy. Like at the end of the day, people forget this sometimes because we're like football's a business and we're obsessed. We get oh, you got to get top four, you got to get top four because because then you're building to something. You're building to something. It's like at the end of the day, you need to win a trophy. You're here to win. Tro- you are here if you're a, if you're a club of that level. Or if you're a club of any level and you've got the opportunity to win a trophy, win a fucking trophy and do what you need to do to win that trophy because you don't know when it's going to happen again. So I would make that I would make that transfer over and over again. And you are right when you say he didn't play with the absolute best people because even when they gave him 
I mean, he was on the outs by the time Aubameyang and Lacazette were wandered in, really. But even in Lacazette, that... The, Lacazette was not... No. I liked him too, but... like He was he's... a little more mobile than Giroud, is what I'm talking. He was more of a, True, a yeah. more of an archetype that worked with Ozil's I mean, play. Maybe if you'd given given Prime Ozil like a Prime Aubameyang, that could have been a really good good combination. And, and I still think Arsenal's limitations would have been... Because Arsenal's limitations were not with Ozil at that period. At that period in time, Arsenal's, Arsenal's limitations were not with Ozil. They were sort of in other places on the pitch. They were in the fact that you didn't really have a defensive midfielder that worked. You didn't have um, you didn't have fullbacks that were great. Your centre halves were a bit wobbly. Your keeper was a bit weird for a bit. So there were other problems with the reasons why Arsenal didn't win. But Ozil was still holding you back from being a, a team. And I think the thing the thing that always annoyed me was like Ozil Ozil and Matter, I always felt was like a reasonable comp because they were reasonable players. The David Silva thing, and I do think this is like a, it's an element of like us underrating David Silva still to this day. David Silva was more tactically you could do stuff with him. Like you could play him you could play him on the left. You could play him in a, in a three in the middle. You could play him at number ten, and he and he would put up. He'd be really good in every position. He was phenomenal. Whereas Özil, if you didn't play him at ten, you weren't getting the best out of him. Yeah, and he did. He did play a lot, sort of off the the left. I think he played off the left quite a lot. Like Danny Welbeck was probably the main central striker for a lot of the time. Özil was playing and again I, I'm probably the biggest <laughs> Danny Welbeck fan out, out there but obviously not a finisher of that kind of level yeah it always... probably feels like a reasonable kind of because he had that one season which was outrageous didn't he yeah yeah, yeah I mean the numbers are frightening when you go back and look at that yeah Um, I think if you ask a lot of Arsenal fans I think that they would be like me and be a big fan of Ozil and have loved watching him play, I would guess. Um, yeah. I know it's a bit sour how things um, sort of ended. I think the I think the way it ended and the way the way he was out on his ear after he made the comments um, that the club obviously that if you if you listen to the stories the club didn't like from a commercial aspect. Um, once he'd made those comments and then he was not playing and he was sort of commenting on the sidelines, it, it really soured it because he was sort of like, it became, it comes that horrible moment where you did see a bit United where some of the United fans loved Ronaldo so much by the end that they were sniping at the club and then other fans are sniping for the club. And it got a little bit like that with Arsenal at the end, which soured it, at least from the outside, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that probably is true. Yeah. I mean, that was Dave. You got anything else you want to add to us? Or this became not okay. <laughs> went away from. Did you enjoy? No. You enjoyed us or two? Let's have a nice deep dive on Özil's career. No, I, I think we covered pretty much everything <laughs> on him. Mm. Is his before? Someone said his performance against Leicester is top five Prem performances all time. That feels high, but it, it does not feel far high. off. I do remember it being outrageous and that. Yeah, I mean, if you... Yeah, you're right. I don't think it is far off. But he's one of those players, like, when he was on... It's what people always say about him, when he was on on his day, whatever. 
like he was one of my favourite players to watch. Definitely, I'd agree with Dave on that one. My player would have yeah. been Thierry Henry, by the way, if we were carrying on with that. No, no, you, your one is um, because we didn't do a podcast after it. Theo Walker had a a great performance in the. Uh, oh yeah, Tottenham he's having a bit of a resurgence. <laughs> Goal in the <laughs> If he carries on like this, he might get in the 100 club. <laughs> How far off is he from the 100 club? About 25, I think. 25? Yeah. Fucking hell, really? 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 Well, I mean, they're, they're... I thought he'd be much closer than that, which tells you yeah, everything I, I think about the Walcott. I thought he was on, like, 90. No. 90. Yeah, he's on 79 goals, yeah. 21? I mean, coincidentally, Southampton playing a bit better now. He's back in the fold. I mean... <laughs> if he scores 21 more goals... I, I would like to let let you listening. Let's get a move for uh, <laughs> let's get a move for him. Let's just stick him up front. See how that's right. I wanted uh, I, w- I would like Giroud to just come back, have a couple of years, just come off the bench for just anyone. How, how close is he? Closer, I think. Look, Giroud could not hit by the end at Chelsea. Giroud could not put the ball in the back of the in the league at all. Giroud. At all. Played up for a title winning team. 90, he's 10 off. <laughs> he's 10 off. If he comes back and he decides to play six or seven seasons, he can get there. <laughs> Telling you. Um, <laughs> do you know, two guesses. You each get a guess. Which player, I've been watching some old Chelsea highlights. Which right. winger do you think I've fallen irrationally in love with again? Can I go first? You go first. <laughs> Damien Duff. Not David, that's a good guess. I don't have a second guess it's going to be. Going to go really obvious and just go Hazard. No. no. Joe Cole. No, not Joe Cole. Florida Maluda. Oh, lads, I'm all in on Maluda. I'm watching this Maluda highlights and I'm like, I remember most of Maluda's career. I also don't remember him being this good. But look at him, he's flying. My recollection of him is him just... Trading with the reserves, wasn't it? <laughs> that only happened in 2012. Right. You know, I always thought that was our fault. I always thought that was our fault. He asked for a transfer in the summer, and then we couldn't get him one because he wasn't willing to go off his wages. So he was like, I'm just going to sulk in the squad. Till I'm like, no, fuck off, go to reserves. Florian Maluda right, came, came on Champions League. Here's, here's a question for you. Maluda, what nation did he end his career playing in? Uh, France, Guiana or something. That, oh no! Oh no! He no, he did. It's fun fact about Florian Maluda. Um, it was like India, wasn't well. it? It was like India, wasn't it? Or something like that. No, no. Where where was it? Dave? More obscure. Luxembourg. Oh, that's not. Too, that's quite close to France, I think. Let him off. Sorry, I'm just Eddie Howe's uh, geography teacher talking to me again. Like I'm thinking he's um, he's thinking. Yeah, so French Guinea. Is where Florent Malouda's from. So originally he played for France. And um, fun fact about Florent Malouda, he scored the only goal in uh, when they played at the 2010 World Cup, and he had that famous mutiny. In fact, about Florent Malouda. Um, however, Malouda, French French Guinea, but played for France. The when French Guinea French got a na- when French Guinea got a national team, they said to FIFA, "Can Malouda play? It's been six years." And they were like, "No, no, 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 he can't play." He can't play because if you play him, it forfeits the thing. They played him anyway. <laughs> Florent Maluda, by the way. How many times do you think he's won a league on? Where, where was he? Was it Leon? Yep. 
Well, they definitely they won the league twice, did they? No, I'm twice. I reckon Dave? that Leon. I reckon that Dave's Leon next. team that like Benzema was in. I reckon he would have won it at least four or five times because they were they won four, it like six out of seven years or something. four times on the bounce. Yeah, they were unbelievable back then, Leon. Yeah. And then, league title at Chelsea, Champions League, runner-up to FIFA World Cup runner-up. I mean, Florent Malouda had a career. And I've been watching it and I've been falling in love with it all over again. I do just want to point out, by the way, I don't know what they're doing over at Goal.com, where they described Eden Hazard as Chelsea's, ever, Chelsea's best ever foreign player. Ludicrous. Lu- like, beyond ludicrous. Like, am I going to have to be... I'm going to have to get another Stella. And a vest. I'm gonna have to sit on my porch. I'm gonna have to talk to people about Didier Drogba. Well, I'm gonna have to talk to them about Didier Drogba. I'd better check. Quick he was one. Leon. Sorry, he was. <laughs> Dave. Le- Leon won the title seven years in a row, and they never have won it since, and they never won it before. That is mental. From 0102 to 0708, they won it every single season. That is that is crazy. To be fair. I mean, they, and they came second at 0-9-10, 14, 15, 15, 16, but they haven't won. They haven't won it since. Well, they had Lacazette, didn't they? Losers, what did I tell you? It's become Leon's second all-time top goal scorer. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? No, you're right. I mean, I'm just trying to put it out. But, There were people in the comments of the thing saying that Hazard's Chelsea's best ever foreign player and they were like, foreign? Try best ever. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. He's not even top five, lads. And I Sean loved Dobbs Eden Hazard. That, right? I loved Eden Hazard. He's not top five. Ross on, is shaking. Ross is shaking. What's your top five? Lampard. Terry. Terry Cole. Check. Drogba. Drogba. I'm done. Cole. Yeah. No, Ashley yes. Cole. Oh, Ashley Cole. Cole. Ashley. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ashley Cole, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And that is just from that team. Like, there's, there's, there is a there is a case, actually, N'Golo Kante is better than Hazard, for, for Chelsea. No, look, I, I mean, you know, the, I'm just shocked that you're saying these things. Kante was man of the match in the Champions League final. Hazard. I know, you, you just... And also, yeah. I loved Hazard, but when people talk about when people talk about a club's best ever player, there's got to be like, loyalty has to play into that a little bit. Hazard, I'm not doing me wrong, Hazard clearly loved Chelsea, but he spent every summer fluttering his eyelashes at Real Madrid. Like, he was aggressively flirting. Like, if he he was flirting so hard that if he was in a nightclub, the bouncer would have taken him out and said, just go home. You've had too much to drink. Like, it was aggressive what he was doing. Anyway. However, all these little... And you know the worst thing? I'm sorry. I'm adding to that list. Where are we at? Number 14. <laughs> Number 14, anyone with Jao Felix as their profile picture. Did anyone see about Jao Felix making a group chat with fans? No. Oh. He's making a group chat with fans. With Rafael... Rafael Leo, or whatever his name is, AC Milan, and there's someone out. I don't know why. They're literally making a group chat with fans, and people are like, why would you do that? All it takes is one bad game, and he's going to get like spammed by God knows how many people. 
Werner's a better finisher than Jao Felix. Look, I, look, I like Felix a lot, but I feel like I feel like there's a battle for the the people who like Jorginho, the people who like Sarri, they all seem to love Felix, and I'm like, this is like he's a, he plays a very aesthetically pleasing style of football. He is a useless. But at the end of the day, he's also a bit useless, which is fine. You can love useless players. I've loved enough of him in my time. Like when I was listing out the best Chelsea players, and I got very close to Mikel. <laughs> very close to Mikel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a conversation to be had about Mikel. Um, but oh, man. oh, and Trevor Chalaba. Sorry if you were wondering who the other person was for that group. Trevor. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor. You don't want to do that. I like you, Trevor, but a lot of the Chelsea fans don't. Well, a lot of the a lot of the Chelsea fans are chronically online with Jao Felix profile pictures. Number fifteen. <laughs> Number fifteen. Everybody on football Twitter. Yeah. So, should we see if we can narrow down this list and see if we come up with the worst one? I the think. Worst. I feel personally... like. No, go on, Ross, Dave. Surely, surely Prince Andrew is going to be top of this list. Yeah, I was going to say, surely that's the undisputed wall on this list. <laughs> I don't think I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs> you put family as well. <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying is, I think worse is probably the people who say the spirit of London 2012. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you found out Andrew still says like, that? Oh, wait, undisputed number one. Undisputed number one. <laughs> 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 I was imagining like, in that news that interview. Like, but the thing is, with that Woking Peter Express, it just embodied the spirit of London 2012. My God. Uh, we need to get out of there. Uh, because... I mean, this entire podcast is nonsense, but we're really going through it now. We're talking about Florent Maluda. Um Right, Dave, if the people want to keep up with you, where can they do so? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Ross, people want to keep up with you? Uh, at Ross underscore bird 14. Did and you some viral tweets. Go, go, go to Will. <laughs> 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 Please follow uh, at Mikey Breslin for all your crypto needs. Um, did we talk about... By the way, did we explain the Elton John thing because if there's one person I don't want to be accused of hating on this list it is actually Elton John (laughs) (laughs) Uh, me and Robert to the NEC to watch John Wick 4 which is excellent by the way and we had checked the um, we had checked the uh, what else was on there it turned out it was Elton John with his Yellow Brick Road farewell tour Um, and I'll be perfectly honest I knew he was big I didn't realise he was that big like we conservatively spent an hour stuck in traffic yeah, before yeah. and after total. <laughs> we missed the first ten minutes of the film. Luckily, it was John Wick four. It really <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you missed a lot. Juan Wick does plenty. Um, Dave, if oh, we've already done that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Questions to in and around pod at gmail.com. If you've got, if you'd like to nominee. Nominee, nominate someone <laughs> to be added to the worst list of people in Britain. Which, by the way, I'm writing down in a document at which adding to every week. Um, currently, it stands at 15. Well, no, I've only written down 12. So it stands at 12. Um, if you've got any nominees, send them in. 
And until next time, um... Sayonara. There we go, someone's got to do it. Snake Boy's not here. <laughs>